Here we are. I'm going to say it. I'm going to say it. It's Wednesday hump day. <laughs> We're over it. It's- Eugene. <laughs> Good. You're, you're data-driven today. It's a different view of... HP uh, yeah. office, our data-driven office. We've got a, a beaker with a flower in it. <laughs> very nice. Very nice. How, how, was, uh, how was your week going on? Yeah, intense, intense, um, kind of battling, I won't go into it, but battling a few close people with COVID, um, you know, I think they're wow. out of the, I think out of, out of the woods right now. So um, that's that, I got a son. Oh, sorry, when, I didn't even, <laughs> I didn't last two seconds. Nope. <laughs> no, I'm taking a, I'm taking a plane ride uh, tomorrow morning to uh, Scotland. Oh, wow. To go visit my son. Uh, so that'll be the first time in a while. I know your, what about you? How's your week? What, what's the, what's the plan? What's the packing plan? Uh, you should see the floor behind me and I don't feel like, you know, flipping the laptop, but it's uh, suitcases. So Bar- Barcelona, here we come. Um, excited. Just making some final arrangements. Cause we also have a little Frenchie traveling. So trying to figure all that stuff out. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, we're off, uh, you know, fingers crossed Saturday to sunny, Barcelona and uh, you know next one will yeah. be from there no no more of this uh, New Jersey Silicon Valley garage thing <laughs> New Jersey Valley <laughs> um, but it's also it's been uh, and, and maybe some of it will save for for our guest who is already waiting but maybe just touch on um, a couple of things I, I I tweeted something earlier which is like kind of going and going and going um, right. Uh, the DIGA, right, the German uh, digital health uh, law uh, that was passed, there's finally two first, uh, pr- two, two therapies, digital therapies were priced and out in the market. So, uh, and I'm going to cheat because I wrote it down, I can never pronounce it, but uh, Calibra from Gaia. Uh, okay. therapeutics, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, almost 500 euros. Um, and uh, Maria Weiss, the CEO, has been leading that. And Calmeda from My Noise, which is for tinnitus, right? So this is huge, right? I mean, the rest of Europe is kind of just looking at it and actually the rest of the world. Um, um, and then uh, also in the last week, uh, it's funny because I, every time the quarterly numbers come out from Startup Health and Rock Health, they never agree by a few billion. <laughs> Uh, but the the one thing they do agree this time, so I think uh, Startup Health was over six billion in the quarter, largest year yet so far, and we're in Q3. Uh, Rock Health at four billion uh, in a quarter, but they agree that this is the largest year yet. So, it's awesome. amazing, just amazing. Yeah, you know we're getting our um, our application into DICA. You know, uh, yeah, you know, the next like month or something like now we're just trying to get a handle on it and make sure we qualify <laughs> take the take the number man i'm sure there's a line and a half there <laughs> on that it, yeah but and it's a lot you know it's a lot of it but what you know we're you know we're it's yeah it's it's, it's wild like the i mean people think of the german market i don't think we've talked about the german market here much have we the german market no, but you know what? Let's uh, let's actually save that because I, you know, I don't I don't know how much our guest, but I'm gonna say his name now, Sven Gvig. Uh, yeah. Again, I I'm gonna make him pronounce it. By the way, again too, just just yeah. so uh, and I've known the guy for years. I don't know. Have you met Sven actually? I, I have. I I'm met sure, him. Right? Famous, that famous J.P. Morgan. No, uh, it, Irish it, pub. it all comes back to the <laughs> Irish pub, but the J.P. Morgan. One, um, I think eighty percent of our 
guests were in the pub on the same night. <laughs> and and of course, you know, we had Jacob uh, from Novartis on. They they obviously uh, crossed paths for for some time at at, at Novartis. And I think yeah. Jacob kind of said that Sven is uh, is uh, you know too. Uh, two degrees of separation, uh, especially when it comes to, yeah, he's a bit like, you know, uh... <laughs> yeah. So he's a rock star. Um, and let's, uh, let's admit him. Let's do this. Bring him in. All right. So we get Schwen. Uh, hey guys. Hey, I hope you're, uh, let's see you. Let's see you. I'm in town. Hey, hey, Schwen, great to see you again. <laughs> Good to see you. No, I you mean, know what? I honestly, I I had, I actually was talking to Marina earlier and I'm like, I, you know, I associate Schwen with Cam. And I knew you would have <laughs> that picture. Like, that earlier. I don't, I don't, I don't know why, but. <laughs> is, that, is that your association? Why? Why? I, I, I don't know. I, I mean, I've been going there every year for the last three or four That's, years. And I think that's why, yeah. A beautiful part yeah, yeah. of the world, and I uh, I missed it this year. Where um, are you right well, now? I, I, I'm in somewhere that looks a little bit different from this. I'm actually in Boston. Okay, lovely, lovely, <laughs> lovely. So, so we Shen, haven't done an intro, so go. Yeah, we, we didn't do an intro at all. We kind of said, uh, you know, we referred to Jacob calling you with two degrees of separation from anyone instead of six. Um, but we, you know, wh why don't you do your own little intro, including, by the way, for all of our viewers and listeners, you know, the millions that are out there, uh, how to pronounce your full name correctly, especially the last one, because I butcher it every time. I think. Well, I do the same for you, Eugene. Oh, it's, uh, I know. <laughs> it's mutual. Um, so, Shwen Gui, it's very phonetical. It's actually pronounced exactly how it's spelled. Perfect. Very easy, Eugene. It's like, <laughs> it's like German. No, German is also. It's you, a good you, thing you... I wasn't. It would have been, or yeah. maybe it would have been slightly easier if I was Shwen Burokovich. <laughs> Dude, trust me, I've struggled with my last name all my life. It, it took me like 20 years to figure out how to spell it. So, don't worry. Oh, you should try to write my last name in Chinese, though. So that's a whole different thing. Great. <laughs> All right. So, yeah, so, so background really a little bit. really want me to introduce yeah. myself? <laughs> please, please. Yeah. Um, so, Xuan uh, Gui, I am the uh, Global Digital Strategy at BMS, uh, which Congrats. means really that I hit up what's called the Enterprise Digital Strategy with a real core focus in uh, on digital innovation. And... And um, you have my remit in one line. It's really to ensure that the enterprise business strategy is fully informed and enabled by digital innovation. But of course, you know, right. I've been in this space for a long time as Eugene and I go back a ways and he knows uh, I've been in the industry for probably about 16, 17 years. And before that was in academic research training to be a behavioral neuroscientist. Uh, mm. And then got, you know, moved over into the, uh, the world of uh, pharma, biopharma and um, have really pursued a career almost entirely in digital strategy and innovation the first 12 years or so uh, in the commercial side of business on brand teams, on COEs, um, and then both on the uh, client side as well as on the agency side. Then for about three years after that, shifted to more of a clinical uh, focus. So really led digital for clinical operations focused on patient recruitment and retention. And then finally, the last two years before joining BMS, um, I was part of an enterprise-wide innovation and launched a global network of innovation hubs serving the enterprise. And so that was, uh, you know, that was my history before uh, coming into BMS about six months ago now. And, 
And and look, after 16, 17 years, 16, you said, right, you still have all your hair, uh, you're still smiling, uh, which means that you're enjoying every part of the ride uh, with with its, you know, challenges along the way. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I, I think, you know, when you start with digital in the early days in pharma and then move to innovation, you're constantly fighting that uphill battle of trying to convince people why things are needed to be done a certain way. Uh, and so it's, it's, you know, it's been sort of uh, the trajectory of my experience in, in this industry. Yeah, I think it's fascinating your, your background, if you're in like behavioral change, right? Like, so you're trying yeah. to use digital health tools to get people to take a desired action or the, what you want to do. And then you're trying to, you're trying to not fight or you're trying to convince the pharmaceutical industry of major behavioral change <laughs> like to apply yeah. your neuroscience background. <laughs> well, I think the role of uh, digital strategy and innovation throughout the years has really been only about 50% about the strategy aspect or the implementation aspect. It's been um, about 50% of it has actually been about change management. I think that's really the part that really helps to make things successful. You know, it's interesting. I remember when I came into my previous gig, somebody said um, that, you know, you got to pick up people where they are in the journey, right? Because just because, I don't know, let's say you and I have been kind of out out there, right? Driving, changing, changing. Uh, testing, that doesn't mean that the rest of the enterprise is, right? right. Um, and the other aspect I think we always forget, and this a little bit goes into like kind of overall corporate innovation, whether it's pharma or not, but we we forget that, um, you know, these, these organizations are ginormous, right? Um, and somebody kind of said, if only, like when I came in, if only Bayer knew what Bayer actually knows, right? There's a lot of brilliant individuals around oh, yeah. the company. Uh, and that's what always shocked me and surprised me that there is a lot of stuff happening in these large organizations. Yeah, and I think sometimes that's part of the problem is that some of these organizations are so large that things get fragmented and a lot of good activities happening, but it's not harnessed or... Um, you know, organized in a way that actually starts to bring things together and become much more synergistic. Instead, you have this fragmentation, everybody's doing their own thing. And in the end, you're almost competing against each other for resources. Right. I'm trying to suck water out of the tree. <laughs> like a little, the weeds are going to grow. Never so, tried to do that before. <laughs> so be, be, before we dive, because I'd love to talk to you about corporate innovation and I'm going to yeah. be a very kind of like, but but before that, and I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll whip us back to there. Um, I, Wait, I'm kind of rewind. Are we allowed to drink tonight or is this because I finally brought a beer with me? Oh, oh you know, <laughs> I, I was I, thinking about that and I didn't bring it with me. I'd have to write. I don't usually because it. usually I'm working. You know, so I, I actually have a double espresso now uh, oh. because we just but I'm going to pour a little bit of my, uh, you know, great cognac. Just uh, I know it's I'll, I'll have it. I, I have a lot because you got. You yeah, got so sure. uh, your Irish counterpart um, on on the line with you, so that's allowed. Right. Absolutely. Well, cheers. Cheers. So I I want to bring back. I guess I I don't even you know I'm gonna age myself when we met, but I it was somewhere around the time you know John Pugh, especially I think when you were on kind of the more marketing commercial side. Yep. And um, you know, for kind of viewers and listeners, what was I, I'm actually curious, what was that? Because I wasn't in pharma back then, right? I've been in digital yeah. health and health tech, right? But for me, what you and John were like, I watched you guys on stage talking about gamification um, and um, kind of preaching a bit, but like take us back. Um, like so that what, was around 
I, I'm pretty sure I know exactly when that was. It was when I was with um, Vertex at the time. It was 2008 to 2011. Um, I managed to convince them to actually sponsor that Health 2.0 meeting, I remember now, which is where we met, uh, together with the guy from ZocDoc, who I can never remember his name, um, oh, yeah. early in the days, right? Um, and it was interesting because when I moved uh, to Vertex, um, my role was to come in and actually uh, work on what was then called Health 2.0. Or, okay. and, and, and part of my actual job description either said Health 2.0 or Web 2.0 or both. And we were gonna look at things like um, chloride sweat uh, measurements using things like a Fitbit um, to really understand how that affected uh, uh, cystic fibrosis patients, for example. Wow. I mean, that was- And that was a decade ago. Yeah, more than that because I joined them in 2008. So that's what we were supposed to be doing. Uh, but as soon as I walked in, I found out the person I was going to work for was no longer there. And then my whole role changed and everything was different. Um, so you know, I, is, I always say at these places, you, you need a godfather, godmother, uh, you know, somebody right. to kind of watch your back yeah. <laughs> or, or, yeah. co or cover your front lines, right? Like just... Right. Yeah, there's an expression. Is it a good expression uh, in Ireland? Is um, it takes two parents. It takes two parents to raise a child. You know, <laughs> like you need two, two sponsors, yeah. or else you're done. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but I mean, that's that's uh, you know, it was a really interesting time for me then too, because just into the scene, that was my first like full time role in digital. Um, before that, it was sort of a part of my role. Um, and, you know, it was one of those things where I went from like work, wanting to or going to work on health 2.0 type uh, devices, platform solutions to then moving more into a digital marketing role, uh, which is kind of part of the experience I was bringing with me and then leading that sort of effort, helping to launch the first corporate social media channel uh, for that organization at that time. I think there were less than 20 or 30 pharma Twitter channels on uh, Twitter at the time. It was, you know, it was a crazy time. Right. Yeah. The, wi the wild, wild west of yeah. digital health, or it wasn't even called digital health then, right? No, I, it wasn't. I forget what it was called, but it was, it was health 2.0, actually. That, 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 that's why yeah. everybody referred to it. That and was that it. was actually how I met John Pugh as well, was um, we both were brought together to give a talk or a webinar on um, Twitter for pharma, and we called it Pharma Twitterama. Okay. <laughs> so like we have a bunch of stuff to ask you, Schwen. But the um at the time, like with Vertex going on, like so Vertex just kind of came out of nowhere, right? They just kind of blasted on the scene and now became like one of the most valuable companies, you know, kind of globally. I, I like this I like to say that I was there from the start and helped it, you know, to become what it is today. <laughs> hey, listen, so that why must not? have been, you know, they were like, you know, really kind of I I thought of them as quite disruptive. They had the big office in Boston, right? Like they they took out the, you know, down where is it called? The South. Yeah, the, it's uh oh, what's it called? There. Seapoint or it's in Seaport, yeah. Um, Seaport. But but yeah. I was never in that office. I was office. I was in the the Cambridge office where it was in Central Square, and um, right. we rented like I think seven or eight different buildings all across Central Square, and uh, right. I, I was in several of those. Right. So what's I, I it like? You, I thought you were gonna say you were like in a skunk works basement somewhere. They were it hiding like you. It. <laughs> it felt like it. Some of those buildings were old. <laughs> so, so compare, you know, without naming names, because you worked in big organizations and you obviously worked in organizations that were kind of going through that growth phase, um, kind of wielding digital health, you know, trying to get digital health momentum on projects inside a like a really big kind of 
organization that's been around for a long time versus something that's kind of changed what's what's easier Oh, I think, you know, they, they each have their pluses and minuses. I, I, I see Sven starting to do meditation <laughs> and breathing inside. On the one hand, I think you have the opportunity to really um, wear multiple hats and run with what you have because you're in a smaller organization. You tend to be that, that subject matter expert and people just trust you, give you the empowerment and you run with it. Um, do what you need to do to, to get it done, obviously, within the uh, regulations and and um the, uh, I guess, guidelines of what the company has. Right. Um, and then on the other hand, in bigger companies, there's a lot more um, process and procedure and people that you need to check in with, but they have a lot more ability to scale and they have a lot more um, structured strategy that you can align with. So it really is a balance between, um, you know, one and the other that's interesting. And sometimes it's just right opportunity at the right time in the right role with the right people around you. And, and that is what actually allows you to launch. Right. And maybe I would add and and a little shameless plug for Heart Pill to Swallow, you know, the book that I'm trying to write every week or and 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 I actually love that, you know, I actually owe a newsletter every Friday to my you know, crap load of subscribers. So, but anyway, um, the, you know, I, I, it also, you know, it's a good question, Jim, but I would also say the maturity of both technology and business models also evolves. So it's right. almost like, you know, it, it, it's not a linear discussion of what's easier or better. I, I think, I don't know, like, you know, now, I mean, think about it, right. We just talked before Sven joined in, you know, record numbers in investments, both finally, you know, Startup Health and Rock Health actually agree that this is the highest year. You know, yeah. they might, as we were saying before, they might be off by a couple of billion, but, um, um, and so now we've seen in the last, let's say two quarters, right? Um, just stuff is pushed forward like crazy, like crazy. And so some of the stuff that all of us been talking about, maybe let's say a decade ago, is like, oh, no, duh, common sense. Let's do it. Why not? Let's buy, invest, you know, merge. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think, you know, the, it's really interesting over the last 10 years how this is really um, accelerated and, and grown because back in the early days, there was no like digital ecosystem to speak of. There was no large, you know, groups of startups that were trying to solve different problems. And there was no uh, venture investors that were really getting into the digital health, so to speak, space. Um, right. It was really just um, groups of, um, you know, rogue individuals like Eugene and myself connecting on Twitter or whatever other social media platform was even available then, uh, talking to each other and learning from each other. So it was a very different uh, type of environment than we are in now. Mm -hmm. So it's Go ahead, please. Go ahead, Jim. Yeah, I, I was saying like with the big companies, when I'm when I'm working, a lot of times I'm coming in, you know, as kind of the what's it, the innovator or you call it a startup, but have been around for a while. But um is I think that my role in a lot of cases for the projects that I'm involved with with the large pharma companies is actually to bring stability to the pharma company. You know, so so that's my my objective. Cause I look at them, you know, I look at them as like a, you know, almost kind of NFL you know, football players that they're going to have a two, three year stint on the project that we're working on together, maximum, you know, maximum. And, you know, and someone's going to get injured in preseason and not play a season, you know, so they're, they're going to be like the farm executives are going to be growing through the organization and almost the more successful you are and the more um, the, the projects goes, the more likely that they'll be moved on to something else. 
So, I, I, I describe it more like musical chairs and then all of a sudden the chairs pull down and you fall on your ass. And <laughs> so I kind of, I kind of look, I'm, I'm kind of like the French parliament. I'm like, I'm going to be here when you leave, and, you know, no matter who's coming through. So, so I'm bringing in a level of stability to the project. So I'm going to, you know, I'm going to, you know, your last guy was in, I'm going to train you in on where he's at. I'm going to try to bring you through the next phase of it that I, that we bring stability with, with that. Because, yeah, I think uh, part of the interesting uh, phenomena that happens in pharma, isn't it, where the vendors sometimes uh, are the ones that bring stability because the roles inside rotate and change so much. Mm. I I also find, um, you know, educating, right, because especially I think, you know, that uh, depends on the company. And again, the maturity level of working with startups or younger companies. But I think because, you know, by definition, entrepreneurs are exploring new, new frontiers. Um, and because of the stability within larger organizations, it's an education exchange as well, right? And so hopefully the, the goal in a lot of these partnerships is it's, it's not just education exchange, but it's actually moving kind of the, the whole ecosystem forward with it, right? Uh, but I, I find like, and this was something that I would always advise to startups, and I'm trying to take my own advice now being on the startup side, but it's like, you know, uh, paint the picture to your sponsor, right? Paint the picture to what it could be, but also how do you get it done? Um, including, by the way, helping with ROI, right? I mean, just because you may not know all the internals, but it's. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, that's why I was saying like change management is such a big part of this, um, both in the digital world and the digital innovation world, helping people along the way to really understand the value of what you're actually bringing um, and not just assuming just because it's new, it's uh, technology and that it's cool that it's, it's, they should be doing it anyway, right? So I think it's one of those things where um, the change management aspect is really important. And then another thing that I think is really important is experiential learning, which is don't just you know, tell them, go to Coursera and take 10 hours and you'll know exactly why I need to do this. Uh, it's also saying, give them an opportunity to participate in something, to be part of an ongoing project that gives them the experience of, um, you know, starting with the identifying the problem all the way through to actually bringing it to implementation. And then they kind of understand along the way how to be less of a vendor or project manager and more of a product manager that knows how to actually uh, think through things differently than, than you would traditionally. You know, uh, you kind of, now that you said uh, around taking something from an idea to, you know, to kind of fru fru fruition, um, reminds me back to the, a lot of the corporate innovation efforts across different companies, right? Because um, there's a, certainly a huge aspect of educating uh, the people in the organization. Um, I was never a huge, you know, to me, I'm always kind of saying like you yourself as a person is responsible for your own education. Nobody owes you anything. And, and you know, this is you rolling up the sleeves and going after it and pitching and selling an idea internally, just like you would externally. Mm -hmm. So that's my kind of one principle. The second part to this, and, and you mentioned to the idea, how many people in a large organization get actually a chance to go from an ideation, which I, you know, to me, it's great that people ideate, but I, to me, it's like, okay, what, what's really at the end of the day is the value because they're not going to be able to see and ideas are cheap, right? Yeah. Uh, we had people always just submitting ideas. Great. But would you quit your job and do it? Would you take it to the next level? Uh, nah, maybe not, but it's a great idea. Yeah. So I don't know. I'm just curious, like what your guys thoughts on like corporate innovation, like what you've seen works, what doesn't I. 
I think it's there's a fine balance too between uh, bottoms up and top down because I think you know there's pros and cons to every type of model that you can think of. I think it's creating a fine balance between those two because you do want to encourage the ideas. You don't want to stifle that. You do want to Agreed. hear uh, directly from the people who are working on things to, to know where the problems are that you need to solve. Um, those are all really important because then you're tying it back to real world um, sort of uh, benefits and, and value. Um, but at the same time, if anything that we solve for and that we bring in solutions for are not aligned with the overall strategy of what you're trying to do, and it doesn't actually build something towards uh, achieving a goal that the organization has, then is it really going to be as valuable as you think it is? It solves one person's problem, but does it actually solve for more than that? So it's funny, last Friday, I wrote, uh, you know, one of the chapters that I kind of teased out is uh, traction versus distraction. Because how do you measure that traction as a team, as an entity, uh, and in a large organization, while for somebody, this whatever that is might be traction, for others, it might be distraction, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, and that's, that to me was always, uh, you know, to your point, what is that strategy? And not a 10-year one, because yeah. that just nonsense right um doesn't work for innovation <laughs> no i think they get the you know my take i get to get the metrics wrong you know what i mean like i remember introducing you know like it's just it's really hard like i look at it you know kind of like discovering a drug when you're bringing it through that the you know you discover a drug and the first thing you want to do is like you know does it you know you know can it does it have any kind of activity right like and then you and then you think okay it has activity okay now is it safe to put into people you know, and then, you, you know, you kind of move it through those phases. But if you study it in the wrong way, you know, like if you immediately study it for its end, you know, does it cure, you know, multiple sclerosis or have an impact on an oncological condition, then it, everything fails, right? Like, so, so I think that with these digital health tools, you almost need to, like, study them in a kind of a unique way and, like, protect them a little bit. Like, you know, I was thinking, like, you know, you're kind of protecting the baby. The baby's not ready to kind of go out. You need to, you know, really just, like, oh, we got something. We got some activity. We get some activity, yeah. you know, now is a kill the human, put in some animals, you know, and, um, and, you know, I think that's how I look at it is like, they measure the wrong thing. Like with my product, we were trying to invent it, um, come up with it. And we were just trying to figure out like, could we get the thing working? And, and that was the right measure at that stage. Like this is years ago, you know, like in the eight years, like, you know, could we get it to, we, we had a theory, could we get it to work the way we wanted to work in some kind of reliable way? But they wanted to marry. They wanted to measure it for incredible kind of ROI efficacy. You know, the initial clients. You had to bring it back and say, you know, can we get it working? You know, yeah. Um, yeah, I think, it was you know, it was eight years already, Jim. Eight yeah, years 2000, ago. Two thousand thirteen, wow. two thousand thirteen, two thousand fourteen. Yeah. 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 Almost. Now. Wow. Seven, crazy. Seven, yeah, seven, I guess. yeah. You know, I, I. It's funny you bring that up because I always say that. In, you know, first of all, I think you know as much as we think of innovation as a. Uh, uh, free and easy and creative uh, type of uh, way of doing things, uh, it really is helped by structure and process, right? If we don't have those, I think it's very difficult to actually get true innovation out of it. Uh, and, and what you brought up earlier about the drug discovery and development process is exactly what I use as an analogy, right? We don't go from target validation to phase three right away. We put it through a process of phase one, phase two, to really understand the value that it's going to bring and whether there are other uh, data points that we don't realize that we're going to get uh, until we actually try it out. Um, you know, whether it's safe enough, whether it's effective enough for what we want to actually solve for, 
the, those are all stages we take drug development through. And, and um, you know, we need to think about when we think uh, do digital innovation to think about going through those steps as well. And uh, if you want to play buzzword bingo, right, then you know, I always see a sort of like design thinking, follow lean, follow methodology. Okay, ching, 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 bingo. You got it. <laughs> <laughs> well done. <laughs> well done. Yeah, um, throw some sustainability and diversity in there. <laughs> oh yeah, and that too. Yeah, and health equity. <laughs> and it, so, I can't keep up. I'm writing down the bingos. <laughs> check, check, check. This is my. I, I, I some questions for you, but this one is like: Is the world ready for chatbots? Is the is the pharmaceutical <laughs> industry ready for chatbots? A absolutely. I mean, uh, you know, that's an area I'm super passionate about. Um, you know, conversational AI, and I call them health bots because it could be either chatbots or voice bots. Uh, but really targeted towards uh, healthcare, and um, some people call it virtual assistants, and there's so many names for it. But either way, it's it's really just um, really turning what we have now uh, as a way of engaging um, uh, our stakeholders uh, in a way that is much more automated and uh, more accessible. And uh, for me, you know, pharma and healthcare in particular uh, have already all the ingredients that are needed to actually start working with health bots. Um, and for one thing, health bots are built on decision trees and we're all about decision trees in healthcare, right? Everything yep. is driven by a, if this, then that kind of formulation. Right. Um, and then on top of that, the other thing that empowers a health bot is pre-approved content because those decision trees lead to content that you engage or respond to a stakeholder with. And that's another thing that we're really good at is getting a whole bunch of pre-approved content look at medical information, look at patient support programs, look at all these groups that we have, which have a stack of pre-approved content that they can respond to, uh, depending on what is the question that's being asked and the decision tree that it drives down. Even our clinical decision support tools are based on that. So um, health bots are basically a manifestation of things we've already done. It just allows for a much more um, fluid and natural approach to engaging with that kind of content. It's interesting. I, I've had many discussions around that. Well, chatbots are going to disrupt pharma. And I'm like, no, it's just going to disrupt the channel or one of channels. It's going to add to it. So I, I never looked at it as a, you know, that's my two cents on it, at least. But I think it depends where you start and stop of what you yeah. consider a chatbot or a, a health bot. Um, I think on the one hand, some people are just like, oh, yeah, it's just going to answer questions on a website or it's going to maybe replace the patient support program. Um, I think, first of all, nothing's getting replaced. It's more of an enhancement or um, we'll find ways where the bot will be much more of the triage tool before escalating to a human for the most important questions or the things that don't get easily answered by a bot. Um, so it's going to be partly that. But also, if you think about the entire life cycle and journey, the thing about bots is they get smarter with more data that you give it because it starts to learn about the types of answers, the type of responses. It's able to look through an entire database and start to pick up on trends and, and connect dots, right? And so it's going to be able to be uh, much smarter the more engagements it has. And that data is essentially real-world data that you can later collect to actually inform things that you do. That could be, in fact, looked at in a big data set to maybe even... Uh, uh, transform into digital biomarkers at some point in time. Uh, and then that can be used to inform, um, you know, how you actually uh, be perform your clinical studies that going forward as well, or what type of clinical studies you want to drive. So, so I think there's a full life cycle that people need to look at, not just as the Q and a part of it. Mm. 
Jim, how did you know did this like unlocked Sven? Like, I, I mean, it's like, boom. I mean, that that's sounds what, like. Sven, that's what you're known for. You're the, you're the, you're the health podcast, right? People like, call me a bot. <laughs> <laughs> no, so, so I, I came up with an idea just as we were there is, um, is because I, I think about the chat bot and I'm going like, oh my God, get, getting the pre-approved content and neural network through the compliance department. They, like the only way it would get through internally would be they don't know what they're approving, you know, and and so um, so I was thinking about like if you could get a if you could get a chat bot that's kind of going to another chat bot getting pre approval on the content that's coming back more. <laughs> so I'm kind of like, <laughs> haven't you seen those conversations where like Alexa talks to Google uh, Home? <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly, exactly. Right, they're just proving stuff in real time. Like, <laughs> have your so, bot call my bot. Let's. Let's, uh, uh, I, I don't want to poop on this chatbot party, but, <laughs> but let's, let's talk about the, the, the real, some of the real parties. Uh, you know, we kind of started off that, uh, you know, Sven, you were also JPM at the Irish bar. My curiosity, right? probably. So, were you, sorry, what was the question, Jim? Were you in the pub with Jacob that night in uh, JP Morgan? Am I allowed to deny? <laughs> you can deny. <laughs> Yeah, of course I was. I, I think I was the one that texted Jake to say, hey, I'm hanging out with these jokers. Can you want to come join me? <laughs> well, it's like 70% of our guests were at the pub that night and it was, oh, a, it, oh. yeah, it was a hot spot. Was that the, the, hot the spot. shot of digital therapy kickoff? I I mean, I actually kind of ish, right? I mean, a little bit. I think yeah, Jim and I have been talking beforehand. about doing this for... <laughs> Um, but I, I actually wanted to, because you're, you're famous South by... Uh, the I forget the actual name of it. Health disruptor dinner. Health disruptors dinner. Yeah, I I had the pleasure. I think a couple of years in a row. What 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 what's gonna happen? What what are you doing <laughs> with this, man? Who knows? But um, but you know, it's it's really sad that we weren't able to go to South by Southwest this year, and it was actually I think a week out when they decided to pull the program, and and um, you know, none of us uh could go. Uh, and it looked like this coming year, it's also going to be virtual now. I mean, I think they just opened up the panel picker for people to submit, uh, you know, topics for speaking on. Um, so I think Eugene, you were the one that sort of texted me like, hey, why don't you still hold this as a virtual session? I think that's a, that's a good idea. But I don't know if you want some history on South by because I've been doing it for like 10 years now, right? It's, a, it's been a long time. I'm I'm, a, I'm definitely a latecomer to it, um, and actually, I think thanks to you, by the way, I yeah. I think you kind of inspired me a little bit. I'm like I, uh, I I I mean I enjoyed every moment of it, so I, I w- would love a little bit of a history run and like because I know you got involved. I mean, right. Anyway, I'll I got involved early, but um, so what happened was uh, you know, I I I've always been a believer to to look outside the box. So even though I was in pharma, I hung out with all the guys in social media because part of my job was driven by. Uh, you know, running social media for, for, for pharma. And so I met a lot of these people who were in the digital marketing world in social media, and all of them were going to this event called South by Southwest. I'm like, what is this thing? It must be the coolest thing in the world because all these friends of mine that are so cool are going there uh, to the point where one year before um, I was, before I started going, um, I actually held this thing for a small group of people in Boston and I called it North by Northeast as the you know unofficial <laughs> version and we gathered together and south and looked at pictures that people were posting you know from south by um and then i i got the idea that you know it's such a great event there's so many different smart people that are there it's got cross industry 
um, you know, experts and thought leaders going through this, but where is health? Health is not represented there. So mm. sometime around 2010, I believe, um, I got the idea of saying, hey, you know what, let's bring health to South by since South by hasn't got a health track. And so I started pulling together a few of these people that I met only on social media, by the way, not people I've met in person. Actually, it. it's not too different from now, actually. Um, anyway, um, so <laughs> people I'd only met on social media say, hey, what if we organize um, an event that's sort of a, uh, a sideshow the day before South by Southwest starts this year? Let's just do something. Um, and so we organized what was then called and was very cool at the time and very trendy. It was called an unconference, right? Uh, uh, so we, we yeah. created an unconference um, where we pulled together a series of speakers and then had a series of open slots that anybody who was attending could actually present on a topic that they brought with them to present that day. We ended up attracting something like 100 or 100 and something people. We managed to get it sponsored by one of the healthcare systems or healthcare associations in, in, in Austin. Um, Not had, pharma? <laughs> it wasn't pharma at the time, no. We had some great speakers. We even had Doug Ullman, who was with Livestrong. He was the president of Livestrong speak to the point where when Doug tweeted from our event, um, Neil Armstrong, uh, not Neil Armstrong. <laughs> What's his name? Uh, no, I know. You know who I'm talking about, the cyclist. Yeah, Why no, am I blanking? Elon um, Musk? No. Uh, oh, Lance Armstrong. Lance Armstrong. Neil yeah, Armstrong's no, the guy from the moon. Um, see how fast we forget as soon as his name got tarnished? Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, but, you know, Lance Armstrong retweeted it. So we were, we, we had a lot of attention. And, um, you know, a, a short while after that, um, there was a blog post that came out on the South by um, blog uh, that kind of said, uh, seeing the success of this program that happened uh, just before South by this year, uh, we've decided to launch a health track. And then they invited me in to be an, uh, an advisor to, to that track. And so that that's kind of my history. Is that what gives you the biggest buzz, like creating stuff? Like, event, I, like I, 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 I like solving problems and creating new things. Yeah. Yeah. So, awesome. Yeah, building stuff. So I'm, I'm the negative Nancy here with the time, time, timing. And, and the funny thing is we always try to like keep this to half an hour, but it never works. Um, just never does. It just, it, the, the conversations run away, but uh, it was awesome. It was fun. Fantastic always. Reason. I mean, I've been having fun listening to you guys because I, I listen to your podcast when I go on my runs and walks in the evening. <laughs> Um, so it's always a, a shot of inspiration as I'm running and walking. Yeah. That's what we're thinking about. We don't know, like we we're debating the seasons. So you're, you're, you're a premier guest on our season three, because we've oh, really? through the seasons. Oh. Um, so we, now we're debating, we're debating what we do, Eugene, like we don't know, you know, we're, yeah. we're, kinda, we're timing it with the, uh, with the thing. We can't say the name of it. <laughs> 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 do we keep going? Do we stop? I guess maybe this is the call to action to all of right. our, you know, many, 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 many viewers and listeners to just comment wherever, either on the LinkedIn post yeah. on YouTube, just be like, do we go on? Do we stop? Do you want to hear more of stuff? Less yeah. of us bullshitting and maybe more concrete stuff, which is never going to yeah, happen. Other than, other than startups, you know, I think our, our separate marriages, like our startups are married and this podcast are the most stable things we've done in our lives, you know? <laughs> well, I heard, I heard your most popular ones are when you bring your family into the picture. So maybe you need to do more of those. <laughs> we married well, we married well. 
Exactly. That's why I say better half, at least, yeah. you know, it's uh, absolutely. So on that note, um, to our listeners, subscribers, just keep passing it on, keep hitting that subscribe button. Um, I just saw Gary Tan's, uh, I don't know if you guys know, he's an investor and entrepreneur, like his number just skyrocketed somehow in the podcast world, um, you know, overnight. So Maybe if I'll tag him on this, you know, he'll help us out. But by the we'll way, see. you know what we never got to talk about? What? How I got into social media. Yes. All right. It, it started I'll... with podcasting, and this was 2005. No shit. <laughs> I had a, like I had a um, hamsters and wheels. Like, yeah, yeah, pretty much. Uh, we, <laughs> I, I mean, I, I believe it. I'm not even sure the iPod, iPod was out then. Um, I was working. I remember working on a. Rio, it was called at the time, the Rio Pebble, I think it was. Wow. Uh, and I actually had a um, podcast that was called, I think, Tales from the Drug Side. <laughs> Tales from the Drug Side. Yeah. And uh, actually, let me <laughs> let me just grab this. Give me one sec here. Um, oh, he disappeared. What happened? <laughs> all right. I'm back. Hold on. I also dropped my earphone. So hold on. Can you guys see this? I don't know. If, oh, no, I you gotta, you gotta, sh- you gotta show us your yeah, real yeah, 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 yeah. Tales from the drug Tales side. from the drug side. Look at that. Awesome. Portable Media Expo. I love it. <laughs> so on that note, Tales from the drug side. <laughs> awesome. This was awesome. Fantastic. Uh, and uh, over and out till next week, Jimbo. Thank you very much. <laughs>